Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. I had like 24 like natty lights in my H&M bag. It was like a suitcase. Like I don't think I would have been able to check it if I'd gone on an airplane. I took my stuff, my guitar, my um, clothes, everything I had, out onto the street in Mexico City and hailed a taxi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Jessica Hankin. And I'm Laura Wexler. And this week on the podcast, Keep It in the Car, which is very good advice, but also is the theme for today's episode, where we feature two stories about things falling out of vehicles that should not be falling out of vehicles. Um, but before we get started, we have a special guest in the studio with Woo-hoo! us today, our intern, Emily Cobert, who is also a student at MICA and just generally all around wonderful. And she has her own little story of um, car adventure of sorts. She's going to share real quickly here at the top. So I believe it was in middle school, probably. I was in the car of my best friend's mom, Jan, who is like my second mom, And I was in the trunk of the car, (laughs) which is a little bit of a chaotic place to be. But when you're a kid, you really want to sit in the trunk of the car with no seatbelt. And we were all coming back from Jackson's Ice Cream in Hollywood, Florida. Is it good ice cream? Really good ice cream. Famous. Famously good ice cream. And I guess there were too many of us. So Robin and I were in the trunk of the car and... We were kind of told to be on alert for police, and Jan was going to let us know if we needed to get down. And so we're driving along home, and she goes, Emily, duck! And instead of crouching down like I was supposed to, I popped up my head to look out the back, and I went, where? And they went, no, there's no duck in the road. You need to get down. (laughs) And that has been a story told uh, over and over to make fun of me. That's awesome. Uh, that's a good one. And that is definitely, you're of the era where there definitely were the seatbelt and child safety seats and all of that. So you stuff. were back in like just the Hatch. luggage area, right? Yeah, there were the no loose, seats. The loose back. <laughs> so just, <you're> gonna... <laughs> just open space. Not like the trunk where you're... You have the third row. Where it wasn't a third yeah. row situation. Well, but, and you were also saying it's not the trunk where you had to punch your hand through it. Uh, not the scary trunk where you keep bodies. Like, yeah. Like more... It was a friendly trunk, but definitely if there was a crash, it just wasn't safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah you would have gone right forward. Yeah. Oh, well, well, we're glad that that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And we're also glad that no ducks... We're injured in this story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our first story from um, from our archives here today is Emily Yanizelli's tale. And boy, is it a tale about a wild night that began in a vehicle and ended... Not in a vehicle. Correct. <laughs> Let's hear Emily's story. So the summer that I was 19 was a pretty wild summer. Um, I had just gotten back from doing a gap year 
I taught English in Costa Rica and worked at a monkey sanctuary in Chile. And I, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but I just like wasn't ready to go to college and I felt like I needed to like find myself. <laughs> um, and I didn't really feel like I had. So I came home and reunited with all of my high school friends who had just finished their first year in college and we just kind of picked back up in the party scene where we left off. Um, and there were a lot of parties that summer. Most notably, my friend Abby's 19th birthday. Her parents rented a party bus that took us to a Kenny Chesney concert at the Nissan Pavilion. (laughs) Um, We were, like, listening to, you know, 2006 rap the whole way there on the party bus the whole way back. I don't know who liked Kenny Chesney, but this is what we were doing. Um, And it was crazy. It was wild. Like, the party on the way there on the party bus got wild. Um, My friend Erin ended up throwing out of the bus window. She had to open the emergency exit window to throw out of the bus while we were driving there. Um, You know, we we get there. One of our friends brought this little grill, and he was, like, making pre-concert brats, like, as we were, you know, (laughs) like... Like, um, you know, just in the field before the the concert. And um, I was wearing a really cute outfit that night. I had my Abercrombie jeans. Um, They made my butt look so good. And I had my, like, really cute H&M purse that was huge. It was really huge, and it had all of these, like, spots on it. And because it was so big, I got nominated to smuggle beer into the concert for us. So I, I, like, swear to you not, I had, like, 24 like natty lights in my H&M bag. It was like a suitcase. Like I don't think I would have been able to check it if I'd gone on an airplane. And I was like walking into the concert and some security guard is like, hey, let me see your bag. And I was like, no. And so I ran away. I like ran and, and hid behind the cars in this field. And, you know, I was like, play hide and seek. I was, I was obvious. I was a little drunk at that point. And so obviously I got caught. I got caught. They were like, you need to leave. They took all of the beer and, you know, they, call, they, they said, you're ejected. You're being ejected from the concert. And I was like, what am I, a CD or something? And they're like, very funny. We've heard that joke before. <laughs> um, so my friend Katie is, is like um, running after the golf cart. They had me on a golf cart to eject me out of the Nissan Pavilion. And she's like, if you're going to eject her, you have to eject me too. And they're like, we're not ejecting you. And she's like, I'm coming with her. And so God bless Katie. She ran after the golf cart the whole way out until they dropped us off at the front of the Nissan Pavilion, you know, with no beer and just, you know, what, a couple hours to spare. So we did, obviously... The logical thing, we got a cab to the 7-Eleven and got someone to buy us more beer. (laughs) And so then after that, we took the cab back and we were just like hanging out. It was like the limo drivers that were waiting for people um, to, to, to pick up. And we made um, particular friends with one limo driver, um, which is, it's kind of like creepy, like now thinking about it, because I guess we were not underage, but we were like pretty young. So we were like sitting in this limo with this older limo driver and it was like parked on a hill. So the one side of the limo was a little bit downhill from the other. And it's me on the downhill side, Katie on the uphill side, and then the limo driver like facing us. And like weirdly, I'm just like, my pants start feeling wet. And I'm like, that's weird. And I look over and Katie had like arranged her purse such that like the limo driver couldn't see, but she had taken down her pants and was peeing in the limo. <laughs> my best friend. This is like one of my best friends in the whole world. And I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) This is 
not okay. So I was like, excuse me, sir. And so I pull Katie out of the limo and I'm like, what is happening? And she drops this revelation on me, which is really, um, as an improviser, I like would love to do scene work about this justification. Her thought was that she drinks so much water that her pee is water. And she proceeded to tell me all of the places that she's peed. And like her house doesn't smell like pee. And she said she'd be next to her bed and her car. She's been in her car. Like she, but, but it was weird because I was like, you don't smell like pee. Like none of these places smell like pee. So I was like, is she right? Is it, is like, is pee just water? I don't know. I don't know. But I was like, I was like, took off my pants. We were standing behind this bush, which was not giving us much cover, like really. And I took off my pants and I slapped her with them. And I was like, you trade pants with me right now, even though these were like my favorite pants. And she wouldn't. She was so committed to her cute outfit that she was wearing that she was like, no, I'm not trading pants with you. So I had to like put my wet pants back on. And then, and then, you know, like we just, we just finally make our way back to the party bus and we could like smell Neil's post post-concert brats. We were following the scent of our noses back to the party bus. We get back on the bus. And as you can imagine, the bus ride home was a lot um, more wild. People were standing on the seats of the bus. Um, we were dancing, we we're jumping across the aisle. And I was like in the back of the bus um, on the, the left, the right side. And Katie was on the back of the bus on the left side. And she was dancing with her back to that emergency exit window, which was unlocked. So we were driving down 66, going about 35 miles an hour, and she, like, does this cute little, like, drop while she's dancing. But instead of, like, going all the way down, it opens the window, and she fell out. (laughs) I know. And I was like, did that, like, I don't, to be honest, like, in my, there was no thoughts, like, there was no thoughts at all. I just looked around and I realized that no one else saw what happened. I, like everyone else was just partying like normal. And I was like, it was like this, this light like shone down on me from heaven. And it was like, Emily, this is your moment to like prove who you are. <laughs> and so I turned to the girl next to me and I'm like, Missy, hold my beer. Like as if I'm coming back for it. <laughs> She's probably still holding that beer. And I jumped across the aisle of the bus and I pushed the window open and I jumped out of the party bus onto Route 66 going 35 miles an hour. I don't know. Um, I, th- <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. I really don't, other than the fact that, um, that like I just didn't want her to be alone, right? Like I, it was it was too far to think about going to the bus driver and convincing him that this has happened, and who knows where she would have been? <laughs> like who knows? So anyway, so I jump out. I like ripped one of the loopholes of my cute jeans, which was disappointing. I landed on my feet and I like started running to her, and I didn't know if she was alive, to be honest. Um, she did. I'm going to give you a little spoiler. She lived and she had minimal injury because she was so drunk. Um, she was so floppy and she just kind of bent a a bit. Like she, she uh, sprained an ankle and broke an ankle and I think, um, broke a collarbone, but minimal damage. But at that, that moment, I did not know if she was going to be alive. So I like run to her and luckily the, the, the people that were following us stopped, um, didn't run her over and the people behind them were was a nurse and so the nurse was like we have to keep her awake we have to keep her awake and so I was like we had been reading this Tom Robbins book together that um during my gap year and so I was like quizzing her I was like Katie what what is the purpose of the moon and she's like to condescend the stars and I'm like good what's the purpose of the 
the man. We kept quizzing her and singing to her. And then um, Neil, the guy with the brats, like came running up because the bus stopped. And and she was like, Neil, I have to go home. I have to go home. I have to make curfew. And he's like, you're not going home. And he had to hold, you know, hold her face down so that she wouldn't get up and go. Um, and then the ambulance came and we went to the hospital. And then that's when they had to cut off her outfit, which was really upsetting for her. <laughs> but very good karma for me and my jeans. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just the belt loop. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so like I said, you know, she, she turned out to be, to be okay. I mean, obviously, if I could go back in time, I would lock the emergency exit window, and I would also tell the person that bought us beer to maybe like not do that and <laughs> change a lot of things about that night. But I think that um, that it was it was like a, an important experience in my life, and something that at that point in my life, where I was kind of searching for who I was, um, it was kind of a gift to know that like I was the kind of person that, for better or for worse, <laughs> would jump out of a party bus for my friend. <laughs> So, thank you. When I first heard that story, what I really felt, and this is because I live with so much shame, I was like, if Jessica fell out of a party (laughs) bus, I don't know that I would jump on the street after her. I'm so, I am grateful that you even factored me in as the other person. But, But there's a lot, right? So they're in there, like they're, their prefrontal cortex is not fully formed because they're teenagers. What I need you to say right now is you would not jump out after me also. Well, I but I think after the... Because remember, what preceded that was literally hold my beer. Yeah. There was a lot of alcohol yeah. involved. Yeah, you're right. So I think if... I don't know. If I had had a certain amount of beers, I might have <laughs> I mean, also just like the... There might have just been this like... Like where did she go? Yeah, like, that's what go? it sounded yeah. like. Like, like you look, they looked away, yeah. and suddenly she was gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like this is like a big, like did she get sucked up yeah. by aliens? Raptured, like, like raptured. I just love so much about this because the story definitely is serious. It's it's got it turned serious. Yeah. But boy, is it fun to just yeah. hear about like that, just all of the the carefree. Yeah, hijinks of a young and the dedication to the beer, right? <laughs> to taking all the beer in in the big bag, and then yeah, oh, I just love it. It's great. It's a a reformed party girl. That's what she described herself as, and she definitely is. Now she's an Ayurvedic coach, wellness yeah. instructor, kind of thing, and a mother of two, and you know, very smart, very not doing those kinds of things now. Support for WYPR's podcasts comes from Catholic Charities. Celebrating its centennial in 2023, Catholic Charities is the largest private provider of social services in Maryland. Learn more about this movement to change lives at cc-md.org. So this next storyteller has definitely been on the podcast before. She, uh, full disclosure, is a friend of mine from childhood. She introduced Whom me. Whom I just saw in Costa Rica. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She lives in Costa Rica now. Um started a newspaper down there. Mm-hmm. She's Monday a journalist. Night. She former NPR reporter. Um, she introduced me to my husband. She's one of the strangest, most hilarious people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. Uh, and this is a story of when she lived in Mexico City with um, her then boyfriend and her best friend to this day. So please take a listen to Andrea Seabrook. I want to tell you all a story about 
living in Mexico. When I was 20, I went to Earlham College, a little Quaker school out in Indiana, and um, I um, went on the Mexico program when I was my, in my sophomore year, and I fell in love with Mexico. Um, the people just have a calor, they say, like a, a, a warmth. And uh, I fell in love with these people. And so I um, came back, and I went to school and so on. I enrolled in um, the main university in Mexico City and went back. And um, when I was moving back to Mexico that second time, I was so excited about my new apartment, my first apartment by myself. I was 20. Um, that I moved from the hostel I was staying in to this apartment in a taxi at about 10 o'clock at night. I took my stuff, my guitar, my um, clothes, everything I had, and (laughs) out onto the street in Mexico City and hailed a taxi. Um, And I got a little, you know, Volkswagen Bug, green and white, you know, like classic Mexico City, um, stopped, and I got in, and I loaded my, my guitar and all my stuff, my, you know, a hundred bags into this <laughs> tiny car, and um, closed the door, and we started driving away, and um, about, I don't know, five minutes in, he started to say things uh, like, um, so, what do you think of Mexican men? Oh, bueno. I mean, you know, um, I you know I have a boyfriend. I don't know. Well, uh, how are you going to pay for this ride? And um, and he started doing things I don't want to repeat um, in the front of the car, and running lights, running red lights, um, running through them and just like racing through town. I was 20. I had no idea where I was. I knew I was in Mexico City, uh, but I didn't know where I was. And luckily for me, um, we came to a light where there was a car parked in every, stopped in every lane already. So we couldn't run it without killing us. So we had to stop. And he pulled up, and I just instinctively, like, rammed out the car door and started pulling my stuff out of the car. My guitar. I was really worried about my guitar. I was not worried about really anything else. But I started pulling things out of the car and banging on the window of the car next to me. Boom, 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 you know. Ayúdame, ayúdame, ayúdame. Help me, you know. And this guy in this very nice car next to us, opens it up like a little crack and says like, see, Kanda, you know, what, what's happening? And I said, this guy's trying to hurt me. And I'm like weeping and talking. And, um, and the guy gets out and I managed to get all of my things out of this Volkswagen bug. Um, I'm standing in the middle of the street in Mexico City at 1030 at night. And, uh, and this guy says, oh, okay, okay, um, listen, I am, um, I'm an official 
with the Mexican government, and um, you know, I'm standing there weeping. He says, I really, what I really want you to know is that Mexico isn't really like this. <laughs> like, it's like an immediate PR campaign. <laughs> right? But thank you. Thanks to him, he loaded my stuff into the car. He took me to my new apartment. He made sure I got in. But after that, much like uh, my colleagues, I could not get in a cab for years, a couple of years, because there's nothing like an experience like that to make you understand who's really in control of a car that you're in. And I'm sure you've had experiences like this in your life. So... I studied at the university. I went back. I finished my degree, but I would, I, and I desperately wanted to come back to Mexico, but I would not do it without my own car. So I drove my own car from Annapolis, Maryland, <laughs> to Mexico City. Three days. It was a red, bright red Volkswagen Jetta. Um, you know, when they used to be like, uh, 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 like that, very square. And um, in Mexico City at the time, because the pollution was so bad, they had these regulations where you could not, where you could only drive your car, if it had an even number license plate at the end, you you could drive on Mondays and Wednesdays, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if you had an odd number license plate, you could drive on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I took two sets of license plates (laughs) with me to Mexico and kept a um, screwdriver on the dashboard so that uh, I could change my license plates when I needed to. I'm not proud of this, by the way. Um, But what I really want to say is that, you know, it was great having a a car there. I was there for years with this car. And then when I decided to move home, my long-term boyfriend, Ezequiel, Ezequiel in Spanish, Ezequiel, and my roommate, uh, Josh, and I packed all of our stuff into the car. And um, we were finally coming home. This is about 1998, something like that. And um, there was about, when we packed our stuff into this car after being there for several years, there was about a foot of room in the back seat for the third person, like this. And that person not only had to conform to that, but had to carry a two-foot disco ball on their lap. <laughs> I have pictures of all of us at the Tropic of Cancer passing it with the disco ball, like... Um, in our 20s. Um, and the guy I was dating at the time, Ezequiel, was very much a super pothead. Super smoked marijuana constantly. Again, not proud. Um, but uh, it took us about a day and a half to get close to the border with Texas from Mexico City. And, uh, and when we got close, I mean within like five or ten miles, I said, Ese, Ezequiel, you have got to get rid of the pot. <laughs> we can't cross the Mexican and American border with any drugs at all, of course. I mean, you know, it's still in the... Oh, well. He had an Altoids box 
that I had given him that had like, it was like half full maybe of marijuana. And um, this red Volkswagen Jetta that we were driving that was packed full of crap um, had no air conditioning. We were driving through the Sonoran Desert. So we had all four windows down. It was like having four hair dryers trained on you <laughs> at once. And he, you know, I said, God, Hesse, you've got to get rid of the pot. So he takes out his Altoid container. And we're like going probably 75 miles. Don't tell my mother. But 75 miles an hour through the desert. And he takes this Altoid container and holds it. He's like, okay. Uh, Holds it out, the Jessica's heard this before, holds it out the window, lets it go, and all of the marijuana becomes like pulverized and flummoxes back into the car. <laughs> In this giant sort of, um, yeah, it was like a twister of marijuana um, within the car and everything we owned. It covered all of our possessions in a fine layer of pulverized marijuana five miles from the American border. So we pulled over and we're like, oh, shit. But, you know, we're 22, so we're like, well, okay. I guess we'll call mom if we have problems, you know. I'm, now that I'm 42, I, you know, I recognize the fallacy in that. Um, <laughs> Or, or, or the desperate truth. Um, anyway, we drive up to the border, and I swear to you, uh, my husband's in that back corner. There were two German shepherds about that far away from our car that started flipping out <laughs> when we came close to that border crossing. I mean, they were like, oh, this is what I've lived my life for. You know? And you could see the look in the border. But these kids, you know, these like three 20-year-olds, 20-somethings getting out of this car and being like, we've got a disco ball, you know? So they proceed to take every single thing out of this car. The German shepherds literally are, like, I've never seen a dog act like this since. They, They took everything out of the car, they put a German shepherd in the trunk. <laughs> like, come on, boy. Woof. They put another German shepherd in the cav- main cavity of this Volkswagen Jetta. They um, set up um, tables, like folding tables, next to our car to put all our stuff on. And it was like, a, they went through it with like a knit comb, you know? It was as if we had like 27 kilos of cocaine or something. Instead of half an Altoid box <laughs> with a pulverized marijuana. Anyway, it's a different, different era. Um, so they went through the car, and uh, at, at one point, it took, this took hours, and at one point uh, we heard the border guard saying, like, well, should we get the, should we get the thing, that, uh, the, the machine that cuts cars in half? <laughs> By the way, I told my mother this story today for the first time (laughs) on the phone. And I was like, Mom, what do you think, what would you have done if I had called you and been like, my car's just been cut in half? Can you buy me a ticket? Um, Anyway, so they went through the car, and uh, they could not find anything. They ended up not cutting the car in half, 
thankfully. They put everything back into the car, and uh, we, uh, I, I swear to God, we all thought we were going to be in jail. We did not end up in jail. We ended up a mile later at a Taco Bell. going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And we bought a, um, remember cassette tapes? We bought a cassette single of Feliz Navidad. <laughs> this is such a quintessential 20 story, right? It had Feliz Navidad on both sides. <laughs> and we put it into the cassette deck, and we listened to it for a day and a half. Literally over, and every time we heard it, it was funnier and funnier and funnier, and we made it back home. Thank you all. image of the marijuana swirling back into the car Mm -hmm. and just swirling all around the car. It's like the cycle of life. All they wanted was it to not be. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my Lord. So funny. So, yes, our advice to you is to keep people and things inside the car hands and uh, unless in the someone's vehicle. vomiting then really i think open opening a window is a good idea thanks for that Kathy. yeah well i'm just telling that's a real risk in my world yeah because you know what both laura and i have kids who are pukers yes and myself oh do you still yeah oh. yeah it's awful yeah. anyway um <laughs> but i'm available for all car trips i'm a real good co-pilot anyway it's like i have to have the front seat i can't no i have to drive <laughs> i basically have to drive you have the driver i have to have the front seat guys <gasps> <laughs> Shotgun forever. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so we have a bunch of live shows coming up. Please check out our website, stoopstorytelling.com. We would love to see you at a live show. Otherwise, we will see you again here with more stories from the stoop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thinking about stalling now, girl.